Tiff, we have a conundrum. Hello, Adra. Hello. I I I promised myself that I'm gonna stop doing introductions because they're useless. Uh, <laughs> but I really feel an introduction with you is necessary because I like you were the first sign from the universe or one of the early signs from the universe that something I need to change directions. Mm. Um, and we met at an open mic, mm -hmm. but you're not officially a comedian, right? I've. I've kind of taken some steps back from comedy. Okay. I'm 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 not going to say that I will not take some steps forward toward it, but yeah. I'm just glad that one of those steps happened while we were at the same open mic at the yeah. same time so that we can meet. Yeah. Uh and then I will never forget this is the 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 cornerstone of our relationship is that you took I want to say 2 to 3 hours yeah. out of your time mm -hmm. to meet with me mm -hmm. and we sat at a coffee shop mm -hmm. and talked about my issues. <laughs> and you didn't even know me, yeah. which I'm still very grateful for. Like I, wow. I always feel like a burden for people and I didn't, like it almost felt like, oh my God, someone is gonna give you your ear mm -hmm. and it didn't mm -hmm. feel like charity, it didn't feel heavy, it really, I felt it from a good place. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, first of all, I'm very grateful of how we met. Uh, and what is it? Ten years later now? Or I know it's like forever <laughs> later. But I mean, I'm I'm so happy that that was impactful for you in some way. You know? Yeah. You you never know how you may it, it affect someone. So. And you may never know how you might affect someone by just listening. It's uh, you. You told me a lot of very useful things, but uh, like back then, it would felt like, oh my God, I'm. I don't feel like my problems are futile. Someone who's gone through more than I have gone to, who have physical reasons to be uh, more miserable, is showing me. Well, I know it's not. That's not the way. Yeah. But in from my perspective, from perspective when I yeah. was coming, I was like. What are you complaining about? Shut mm -hmm. up. This is not, like you have not seen. So let, let, let's start with this. Yeah. Uh, this is Adra Bryant, yeah. uh, a friend of mine, uh, no relation to any Bryants uh, of the, who plays no. basketball, I think. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, not that I know of. <laughs> singer, comedian, mm -hmm. life coach, mm -hmm. author of uh, I've Got Scars Baby, mm -hmm. and I've Got Scars Baby, the podcast. Yes. Hello, Adra. Hello. Welcome to my podcast where I interview open micers. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm I'm very happy to be here, and I'm so happy you are doing this. This is phenomenal. Oh, thank you so much. And and I do want to say something, just about when you said. I think sometimes people, because I have a physical scar, right? I mean, you can't really see it right now, but I'll show the world. Um, just 35 because. people on a good day. Really. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Not the world. Those 55, they're <laughs> going to see it, okay? So I, I do want to say, just so you um, can understand my perspective, even though I have physical scars, I don't think that they're necessarily uh, way heavier on me or have had a greater or deeper impact than someone who doesn't have physical scars. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes someone with physical scars, they can get the empathy 
because it's like, whoa, man. But nobody knows how deep somebody's emotional scars are. And you can't tell, so that person may not get the empathy and the compassion they deserve. So I just wanted to say that is, you know, yeah. I agree. <laughs> I, I agree with you 100%. And we're not supposed to compare scars yeah. saying, well, this actually is, we can see it. And this mm -hmm. one is just in your, in your head. Mm -hmm. um, I agree with you on that. Yeah. But a lot of times the problem with non-physical scars mm -hmm. is that people treat them as if they are hideously visible to people and it's like affecting their how people see them in a different way mm -hmm. and i think there is part of it is that the lesson is gratitude the lesson is you kind of learn that you are in a physical good shape which you would take for granted until you see someone else who if you were in your shoe like in your way of thinking if you were in their shoes that would be hell for you yeah and you're seeing someone who is dealing with it so easily and not just dealing, I'm sure it's mm -hmm. not easy, 100%, mm -hmm. but it's not having the hindrance on people who don't have it on you, yeah. which is by itself is one of the main reasons I wanted to have you here and have mm -hmm. that perspective because I'm very interested into the transformation from this side mm -hmm. to this side. Mm -hmm. And um, I know from what you told me before that you had a phase where you you felt bad about it oh yeah <laughs> yes very much so so my story in a nutshell i was burned at 18 months old and i didn't look at myself in the mirror until i was 25. i'm sorry how were you burnt was it by so it was coffee i pulled i was a toddler pulled a cup of coffee off the table onto myself and it burned my chest and my shoulder and my neck and so, yeah, I was burned at 18 months, had about six surgeries in between, you know, two and 16. And I didn't look at myself in the mirror until I was 25. Wow. Because I didn't want to see my scars. And so, and it's one of those situations where, and I, and I talk about this in my book, is where I remember actually being, you know, I had surgery and I went into like uh you know, they take you to the room afterward. And there was a, a, a little girl next to me and she, her whole face was burned. Mm. And it's like, so when you talk about kind of comparison, you're like, well, it's not that bad for me. Like, oh my gosh, like, why am I complaining? Why am I saying, you know, and I'm, I'm little, like I may have been like six years old. I don't even know how old I was. I was very young. But I just saw that and it's like, well, I don't have anything to complain about. But at the same time, the way I was dealing with my scars, you know, people coming to, you know, little kids, what's that? What's, you know, that kind of a thing. People asking questions, what happened? Da, 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 da. You know, I still had a, a, a burden, so to speak, to bear. Mm. And I think that's what it is for me is just like, we have a burden to bear. It doesn't feel good. And I, the, the, what I did to deal with it is I continued to hide myself. So what does that look like? That looks like t-shirts and turtlenecks. I, I saw, I found a picture of myself when I was like maybe six years old, seven years old, maybe eight. 
outside summertime there was a couple of my friends around me and everybody else had tank tops on i have a long sleeve shirt like you know what i'm saying yeah so you just adopt you you adapt your life to this hiding thing and so that's just what i did and it goes from uh, first of all on the comparison stuff mm -hmm. Um, I had, um, I drive Uber for a living mm -hmm. and one of those days I had, um, uh, an older lady mm -hmm. that came into the car and she had a neck brace, mm -hmm. uh, and like, it looked like it was also affecting her back. Mm -hmm. She sat and we started talking and we had a very nice conversation. And at a certain point, my curiosity, uh, won over my, uh, politeness. Mm -hmm. And I was like, is this a, a recent injury or a long life injury? Mm -hmm. And she said, no, it's a long life injury. Mm. And I did the same thing with the scar first, like with the, yeah. when we met of like, oh my God, what mm -hmm. I should look at this. Mm -hmm. And I started expressing some of that. And she was like, no, 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 mm -hmm. don't feel bad for me. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, I was put in a house, she was saying, mm -hmm. I was put in a home for uh, other disabled kids. Uh -huh. And she was the queen because in the entire shelter, she was the only one with all of her four limbs. So wow. you immediately, like I went from, oh my God, I can't feel, I can't believe I was upset about my credit card score yeah. versus your disability. Yeah. And even when I put myself in that, in the, oh my God, I'm, I shouldn't be complaining. She told me, no, don't even do that mm -hmm. because I learned that lesson a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So like there's always someone having it better than you. There's always yeah. someone having it Worse. better than you like both 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 sides yeah. and there's no need to compare yeah um second of all uh, i want to talk about um the scars mm -hmm. because like you said there is a lot of scars that is somebody would treat a big belly mm -hmm. like a scar mm -hmm. and they would try to cover it the same way mm -hmm. uh and that was my only remark about that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean it's it's one of those things where everybody has something. Everybody has something. And the question I had to start, well, let me just tell you the revelation that I had hmm. that helped me to move forward. The revelation I had that helped me was that I felt like at 25, I'm like, you know, I always wanted to encourage people and that, that's kind of just my jam, I guess. And so, at 25, the revelation I had is it felt like it was an epiphany, like God was like, bam. Hmm. And it was, everybody has scars, some on the outside, some on the inside. That made me feel so much better. It took so much weight off because I thought I was the only one in the world who was, you know, feeling unattractive, who was feeling like, I wish if, if I didn't have this, I would be okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I felt like I got dealt the worst hand ever and everybody was normal and perfect. Mm. And so then it was just like the step further was like, okay, well, I want to help people. Now that I understand that everyone has scars, let me go help people. And it's like, okay, Audra, how are you going to help anybody if you won't even look at yourself in the mirror? Okay. And was that like the, was that the same moment you started looking at yourself in the mirror or? Yeah. The, when I say those things came back to back, it was the same kind of, 
it was the day of revelation, I guess. And so that's what started me actually looking in a mirror. Like I had to practice, like it took us, yeah. it took a while. Like it was like a six month type of a thing. Like I would glance at my scar in the mirror, you know, cause normally I would just get out of the shower bypass mirrors put my you know yeah. pajamas on all and of then, these yeah all of these are rituals these, yes these rituals to hide myself yes. from myself but that's why i really feel like i can't i don't i can't be the quote unquote uh face of the burn survivor community because i'm not mm. you would never necessarily know unless i showed you my scars like it has to be revealed right but that's why I feel like I connect with those who can easily hide their scars because they have internal scars. They have, they've dealt with abuse. They've dealt with neglect, those types of things. They don't feel confident in themselves. Mm. And it's not anything that you can just easily see because a big belly to your point, you can see that, right? And then somebody's just like, well, just go to the gym or just eat different. But a lot of times the big belly is a result of something else. Mm -hmm. And it, what, um, if I'm talking about something that's not a physical cause, like a, an actual health thing, sometimes mentally speaking, some people eat to cope, right? And it's like, well, the weight, is only a reflection of how they're feeling inside. And sometimes the weight is a protective mechanism. And so we have to get underneath those layers. That's my thing, is helping people to see, to look in their mirror yeah. of their life. And that's why, like, uh, there is a lot of common commonalities. Mm -hmm. The scars may differ, mm -hmm. but how you... Uh, traumatize yourself as a result of your scar even if it was supposed or real mm -hmm. it's the same like the, the way you were avoiding to see mm -hmm. how you look naked is mm -hmm. exactly how people who are afraid of heights would never pass in front of a mm -hmm. uh, like a like a you got it. yeah in front of a balcony yeah um, and it's almost like the, the, the liberating part is that the solution out of whatever scar mm -hmm. is almost the same Mm -hmm. you have to expose yourself yes. to the thing that scared you. Yes. You ex you. We are so hard on ourselves. Let me just say that. <laughs> like, oh, we are so hard on ourselves. Let me just tell you. Let me start from here. We come into this world, right, as children. We're little babies, Everything is amazing. Everything is beautiful. Everything is funny and cute. And let me touch the bubble. Let me put my finger in a light in the socket. Let me do, you know what I'm saying? Let me put this in my mouth. Let me just explore the world. And there's so much innocence and beauty in a little child just playing, seeing bubbles for the first time. Like bubbles, oh my God, bubbles are amazing, right? And then we get introduced like there's so much love. That's why people love children so much. There's so much love and innocence and purity, right? And then over time, as we get older, we get introduced to various things that are not love. Hmm. So what does that look like? As you get older, okay, you grow up in this household, okay, nice. And then 
It could be as simple as the cute little doggy that you want to play with bites you. Or it could be, huh, everything was so nice and wonderful. And then mommy and daddy started being mean to each other. And they're saying bad words to each other. Oh my God, daddy hit mommy or mommy hit daddy. Or, oh my God, somebody passed away. Like, what does that mean? Nobody, why is this person not here anymore? Or they called me this name. Or they said my shoes weren't nice. They said they're ugly and old. So we get all of these things. And I'm talking, you know, and that's just somebody could have touched. You see what I'm saying? So we have these things that happen and they corrupt our innocence. And we start looking. So we try to cope and deal with this place that now is unsafe. Right. And how do we do that? Um, We stay to ourselves. We lash out in anger. We hide ourselves. We don't talk to these people. We stay like this. We, you know, we, we pick up vices to cope. And so now we become adults. We're still the little kid, but now we're, we're, we're so far along into this trauma and then other traumas happen, breakups yeah. happen, divorces happen, you know, other abuse happens. And so who are we? Who are we at this point? Right. So if that's if that is just normal. When you're talking about healing from that and looking at yourself in the mirror, you cannot look at yourself in the mirror and be aggressive and say, get yourself together because you suck. No, you have never sucked this whole time. You have not sucked. You have literally been traumatized because you are made of love. You are made from love. Mm. You are made from goodness. And when you keep seeing stuff that's not good, it makes you think something's wrong with me. And now that's the coping stuff. Yeah. Not only that, like if, if a bad event happened to you while you were four, if it happened to you while you were three, that's 25% of your life at one year. Mm-hmm. So, that's why like old memories, it almost starts a setting for your perspective on life. On li- exactly. And if that perspective started with pain or mistrust, yes. then you will grow up to say, I don't trust this world. Yep. I don't feel safe in this world. Yep. I don't feel just on the first four years. And a lot of people take it for granted. You're like, well, that was 35 years ago. You're fine now. Like, what is, shouldn't you forget? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Your brain has been trained in that. Hmm. And that's what we don't understand. Like even our parents, our relationships with our parents, like if you're, if you made, you made a picture in kindergarten and you took it to your mom and your mom was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. But here's, I I have an argument here. Uh-huh. Um, the new generation, uh, I'm not a parent, I'm just saying, I'm parenting yeah. through other parents. Yeah. And I'm seeing that there is this, now we know mm-hmm. how to do a better job than our parents. Mm-hmm. We, I would, I always say this, I say, like, if you're not a parent, mm-hmm. the secondhand information about parenting that you know right now is 10 times what your father knew mm-hmm. when they were a parent. Because just what's on TikTok enough. Yeah, right. Is enough to give yeah. you enough information. 
So I would see this uh, uh, like uh, couple who are really good with their kids. Mm-hmm. And the kid came one day mm-hmm. and she was like, mom, look, eight. Mm-hmm. Mom, eight. If that happened in my family or culture, mm-hmm. it would be, dad, look, eight. He's like, no, you idiot, that's seven. Count your hands again, one, two, three, four. Okay, yeah, ah, seven, okay. So the parents knew that they shouldn't talk to their kid that way. So they were like, honey, actually, can you take a look at them and count mm-hmm. them again? Mm-hmm. And then the kid looked. And as soon as she discovered that they were not the right mm-hmm. number, her world broke apart. Yeah. Even though the, the, the method yeah. of like uh, delivering the information was very gentle, mm-hmm. there is an underestimating, an underestimation of the first time a human mm-hmm. feels disappointed. Yes. Or the first time a human feels uh, like an idiot. Mm-hmm. The embarrassment mm-hmm. of, it's not about how severe it is. It's just, this is the first time I felt that feeling. Yeah. And if it happens at, at that young age, mm-hmm. then that becomes a trauma. Yeah. Where my mom told me very gently that I'm counting wrong. Yeah. It, it almost seems like it's, in, like it's inescapable. It Even, is. Okay. Which brings me to the next point. Yeah. Is that at a certain point at 25 years old, mm-hmm. you realize that you need to change what you were doing. We're mm-hmm. not going to judge where it came from. We mm-hmm. understand that's the circumstances, everything. Mm-hmm. But now comes the moment of change. Mm-hmm. And change is almost impossible. It, it feels so hard feels every single hard. time. It feels so easy to go. Like I'm, I'm now, I used to always have the negative voice, but now I have a negative voice and a positive voice. Yeah. Side by side, mm-hmm. making me do nothing. Mm-hmm. 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 So how, did, like, how do you follow through? So the follow through for me, it, it, it really started just with discipline, it, honestly. Like, I had the revelation of, okay, how are you going to help anybody if you won't even look at yourself in the mirror? Hmm. So then I had to, I couldn't deny that it made sense, right? I was like, okay, that's logical. Um, I got to do it. So I went to the mirror, and over the course of about six months, I would do quick glances. I started with quick glances. It's like, okay, I got to look at this thing. Uh, And that was enough for the day. Like, okay, the next day, all right, have my bath towel around me, and it's just like, uh, uh, that's enough. And this is just, just this part of my scar. Not even this part, which I hated this part because I was mm-hmm. like, it's bumpier. It's, you know, because it's a keloid. Like my scar, my my skin is just, it gets keloids, right? And so that's what it is. And it's just like, ah, oh, uh, you know, but it took, it was just, I had to look. And over time, it, it was a quick glance. Then it was a little more of a linger. And then it was a little tiny bit more of a linger. And then eventually I was able to be okay with it and I was able to explore it. And so I think this is what I would say to someone, whether they have a physical scar or a physical thing they don't like or is an emotional scar, Hmm. is that of course you're in a day, no. You're not gonna be like, yeah, uh, I was sexually assaulted or something and I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna go ahead and dive into it today and then tomorrow I'm good. No, that's not how it works. Mm. 
the fact is, is that you, in order to survive, you had to suppress it. You had to avoid the mirror. That is really what avoiding the mirror is when you don't have a physical scar, is you suppress it. You don't think about it. You do other things. You, you smoke, you drink, you do whatever, shop, whatever to cope, right? So now you have to say, all right, this happened to me. This is what I experienced. And I have to, I have to look at it. It's, it's, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you mm -hmm. until it comes like, okay, I know exactly why I should be doing this. I know exactly why I need to change. I know exactly it's going to be painful, mm -hmm. but it's like, it, it's, it takes a lot of work to almost re reignite the epiphany yeah. every single day because yeah. it's so uh, fleeting yeah. how it's like, I, I had one epiphany last mm -hmm. week mm -hmm. and it, it, like the moment I had the epiphany, the next four days were just trying so hard to hold on to the epiphany before it fades away. Mm -hmm. And I go back to my old ways, yeah. which are comfortable. I know how to do them without thinking, mm -hmm. all of these things. Mm -hmm. But it's like I'm trying to meditate more, for example. Mm -hmm. I, I, I die every morning to go do it. Like it's so hard to get up and go just shut up for 20 minutes. Yeah. And the struggle a lot of times is where I quit. And I like, I'm wondering, does it take you effort to reignite the epiphany or it was just one epiphany and a very strong march forward from there? Uh, if I'm speaking directly just about my experience with my scars, cause I've, you know, of course, I think throughout your life, it's not just one thing you're trying to get over or get through or get past, yeah. right? But if I'm talking about that, I think what it boiled down, what it kind of boiled down to me uh, with me was just like, okay, I have to, I have a greater purpose outside of just feeling bad all the time. Like it got to the point where I remember one time, and this is my friend. She has she known me since I was like fourteen. She has always seen me tugging on my shirts, mm. pulling this over, making sure not even the tip of my scar shows. One day, out of nowhere, that same year, twenty five, she's like, "Why do you keep doing that?" She had never said this before. And I was just like, oh, you know the answer. Why are you asking me? You know, I didn't say that to her. But in my mind, I'm like, you know why I'm doing this. And it really what she was just saying, like, you don't have to keep doing this. Mm. And I, I honestly feel like, in retrospect, I feel like life, we get tired of our own stuff sometimes. We get tired of our own BS sometimes. We do. And we're looking for a way out of it. And then it's like the world starts to transpire to give us exactly what we want. Hmm. And we have to ride that wave. And it's when it starts to get hard, that's when you probably know that you need and desire a breakthrough. So really it's you igniting this within yourself because you're tired of living that way. And I th so if I'm talking about if you're talking about meditation, then my question is, why are you meditating? What is the point? 
because nobody wants to sit there for 20 minutes and not think or focus on not thinking or whatever that is. So what is, you know what I'm saying? You have to get your why. It's that problem is when I know the why so much, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's still like, it's almost you're fighting against your body Mm -hmm. who's it's used to a certain amount of emotions. And you're now like, no, no, we're going to change everything. We're going to change everything. We're going to do the good things. Mm -hmm. That's going to make us feel better. And the resistance is not like, it's almost, I have to trick myself. Because I know everything logically, yes. why I need to change. Mm-hmm. But then once it comes time to actually do the change, it almost like, oh, no, yeah, that was great, all of what you said, but we're not going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah great. Yeah, you yeah, you yeah, can yeah. go meditate and sleep early and eat healthy. Yeah, good luck, man. <laughs> but really, like the body wants to stay yeah, miserable. I love the misery. Your yes. body knows it's how to do to it. it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like it's, it's almost funny how all of that knowledge would yes. disappear. I'm actually glad. It's so interesting. I was like, okay, I had this revelation today because I started thinking about working out and really, you know, I had started being consistent and then you kind of, you know, start to waver Mm -hmm. in that. Right. And so I started thinking about, okay, how can I personally, you know, I started looking up and Googling stuff like, okay, how do I stay motivated or how do I, whatever. And then I just started thinking, I was like, wait a minute, what if I just think about gratitude? And what I meant by that is, it is a privilege for me to be able to work out because there are some people mm-hmm. that cannot move their bodies at all. There are people who literally cannot do it. There are people who cannot take care of themselves. And and some of those people are you in the future. If you don't do it yeah. now, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, this is an opportunity for me to take good care of myself. And I'm over here like complaining about, oh, I don't feel like waking up early or I don't, da-da. you know what I'm saying? I have the privilege to have a bed to sleep in why am I not getting in this bed on time so that I feel good about waking up early in the morning? It's it's as simple as th- that's really my the, the crux of my issues is that yeah. I know what's right to do. Yes. But a lot of times it's not easy to fall. It's not easy to peel yourself. Yeah. From even if you're doing something dumb in front of the computer, it's like. I, I just want to go to sleep right now. Yeah. Oh, I have to go brush my teeth and floss and do the mouthwash and just. Uh, another half an hour yeah and uh, it's human i would say it is it's very normal i think that it's just i think if you go back to gratitude and looking at it as a privilege and start looking at certain things as you're in your life like i have some people don't have a minute to sit down and meditate. Yeah. Some people don't have the cognitive ability to sit down and meditate. Some people are scared because their household is so tense that if they close their eyes, who knows what is going to happen. Okay. I call this the there is hungry kids in Africa method of mm-hmm. finish your plate because someone else can finish it, which is great. Mm-hmm. but um, it almost feels like sub- work. Like mm-hmm. I'm suppressing 
Like here is yeah. here is another thing. I'm very grateful to have a job. I'm yeah. very grateful that Uber really is paying my rent. Yeah. I'm I hate this job so bad. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. It almost feels that I can't express that I'm frustrated that I don't want to drive to Santa Monica right now. Now that I, I get what you're saying. I don't think that we have to suppress it. I think that we should still get to the things that we desire to do. I think we should live our passions. We should do the things that we absolutely love to do. If you don't like driving Uber, I don't think you should be like, I love this so much. And I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, be grateful that it's doing what it needs to do while you are focusing your energy on creating the life and the lifestyle that you desire because your your mindset like okay well say for instance you're like okay I really want to be touring and I want to make money through comedy a hundred like all of my money I want comedy to replace the income I'm making with uber then you get that into your mindset and you start focusing in on that and then it's like opportunities will start to come and but if you're so focused on here's my thing is that if your energy is so focused in on how much you hate a thing mm. and how much you're annoyed by a thing that's taking your energy and that's then it perpetuates itself right because that's where you're what did, what do they say um energy go what what is it thoughts create reality so that aspect but the idea of that whatever you focus on is going to grow and develop yeah and so if you focus in on if you're just grateful for this moment like hey it's taking care of what it needs to take care of how can i then focus my energy on what i really want yeah it's it, it turned me into a psychopath because I'm like, I hate this, but I love it so much. I'm grateful for it, thank God. <laughs> but life sucks. Yeah. But it's like I'm I'm holding these two yeah. feelings at almost at the same time that it's making me feel like I'm about to explode. Yes. Like, well, yes, we know this job sucks. We know that you have yeah. every uh, right and excuse to feel yeah. frustrated. Yeah. And thank God you are grateful. Yeah. So it just ends up like, okay, I've balanced everything out. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I still have to get in my car right now and go drive. I, I get it. Here's here. Okay. This happened to me. Real true story. I was reading a book at the time called Ask and It Is Given. And one of the exercises in the book was in the midst of the frustration, just focus on what you would like to create Hmm. right and so this is what was happening so i was driving my car not the car that i have now but another car Uh, i was driving my car and what i noticed is that um the when i'm driving the gear would slip out of it would slip out of the gear for some reason unshift yeah the shift like it wasn't and it was dangerous because it's like okay, I'm driving and this happens and it can slow. Like it was just very dangerous. And every time I took it to the mechanic, it wouldn't do it. Right. I was like, it. like, come on. And so they couldn't fix it. So I'm on my way to work. And at this time I was living in Inglewood, driving to Burbank. Yeah. So I'm on my way one day and right underneath it was a, a, 
an overpass in Hollywood on Kawanga, the gear is started to slip. And because I was reading the book, I said, you know what? I'm not going to be frustrated in this moment at the car, the current car. I'm just going to think about what it's going to feel like to be in a car that doesn't do this. Mm. Like the new car that doesn't do that, it's going to be so nice. So it did it like, oh, it's going to be so nice. Oh, yeah, it's going to be nice. (laughs) And I did this. Kid you not, within five minutes, a pickup truck comes, it was headed southbound. I'm headed northbound right underneath that overpass on Kawanga, and it comes right in front of my car. Bam. Bam. Here's the beautiful part about this nobody was injured. I wasn't really hurt. Um, he had insurance. It was 100% his fault. I got a new car within 30 days. Wow. Uh, I had an accident a year ago. I still did not get paid <laughs> for a year. And wow. You wonder, is it, it has to do something with my energy. Yeah. The way I was like, well, this needs to happen now. Where is the money? Where is the money? Where is the money? And so that's the thing. That's anxious. Like now you're anxious and it is going to happen. And... There's still a flow, right? We are so powerful. We are very powerful. That's why we have to watch the way we think and what we say because we're so powerful. So I really encourage you, anyone, is like, all right, you want a new thing. Let's go, let's get this new thing with grace and ease. Mm. The I wanted a new car. But, like, because I was reading that book, it just made me mindful of how I was thinking about it and how good it feels to be in this new car. And I had already been seeing, I'm like, oh, yeah. And I think it's, I think I like that car. And it's the car that I have now hmm. that I, I was looking at and I was like, oh, I like it, you know? And so it's just one of those things where it's just like you have to think about how you're thinking about it. Okay, that's a very good segue into my question. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts create your reality, mm-hmm. but your thoughts are like a cloud. Let every cloud pass by. You're not the sky. You're the sky. You're not the clouds. Have you heard that before? I th- when you're talking about like meditation and stuff? No, in general. Like uh-huh. when you have, okay, your thoughts create your reality, yeah. then a, a bad thought will come. Yeah. And you're supposed to ignore it. You're supposed to just yeah. like, okay, great, bye. Yeah. But because your thoughts create reality, then let me hyper-focus on that thought uh-huh. even though it's not a positive thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So what is it? Your thoughts create your reality or your thoughts are like a cloud. You can ignore the cloud and just go back. Well, I think, I think both apply. Like, cause here's my thing. It's like, if I think about an elephant, is the elephant going to just appear in the room right away? No. If it passes through, it passes through, but I think there's still there's still the emotion you need to connect to that thought. Hmm. And that's why when you're thinking about something a whole, whole lot, uh, thinking about something that you don't have a lot, and because there's that's where the passion comes in. 
ah, I don't have, you know what I'm saying? No, I know. And you no, have exactly. that energy, right? Yeah, yeah. You have that energy and it's like, okay, now that's creative because it's the two things that you're connecting. You're connecting the thought and the emotion. So you're saying if I got really angry about my future, it's going to work? Angry about your future? Like really, if I really like ruminate really hard about like uh, everything is going to work out, I'm going to be, I'm going to well, have money. I don't know if you should be angry when you're like I, I want to use future. this. I've been but, using that energy yeah, in the wrong way my entire life. See, yeah, maybe not anger. Maybe here's what I would say. It's just like, what are the things that you desire? You think about that, right? Uh, financial stability. Let's okay. So if you think about financial stability, what does financial stability feel like to you? Uh, the lack of anxiety about where's my so next money So you just started from. with lack. Yeah. Let's think about it as in, let's think about it from an abundant standpoint, mm -hmm. right? So financial stability feels like freedom. It feels like peace. It feels like security and joy and fun. It feels like, oh man, I get to do whatever I want to do. Like this level of autonomy and ah, like getting yourself into a space where it's like, ah, it feels like this instead of, ah. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Oh, I, again, I'm, I, this week has been me like almost going on a tour telling mm -hmm. everyone that, oh my God, mm -hmm. the talk about your thoughts create re your reality mm -hmm. that I've rejected my entire life because mm -hmm. it's not scientific is actually very scientific. It is. Um, and like with that, mm -hmm. there is, I noticed because of meditation, of course, mm -hmm. once I get into like, well, fuck you, what, why did you, why did you do what you just did? Mm -hmm. I can feel my, my, like breath is shorter. Yep. My heart is like, oh, yep, we're ready to go. Yep. And I would always, I've been always my entire life very easy to startle. Yeah. And I would always say now it's because of this, because I'm in fight or flight mode. All the time. And if somebody said, bam, I'm like, okay, let's go. We're yep. ready. So um, I agree with you. Yeah. It's, it might be because it's new to me. I'm like yeah. trying to like, well, w instead of thinking positively, maybe I can use, think about positive things negatively. You are hilarious. And trigger, <laughs> you are trigger that power. Okay. First of all, let me just say this. From the first conversation we had at the coffee shop, look what you've created for yourself. I think you have to give yourself credit. Mm -hmm. I think you have to, sometimes we can get so focused on shifting and changing and being all these things that we desire to be that we ignore what we've already created and how amazing and beautiful it is you're here talking to me about meditation <laughs> hello <laughs> hello that is not the conversation we had mm. at that coffee shop you are how far from that? And look where you are. So I need you to stop. I need you to give yourself some credit. I need you to look at yourself and say, look, you have come a long way and I am proud of you. I'm, I'm better at that now. Good. But I'm, I'm, I know very well 
Okay. That one of my 32 people who are watching this have also been in the same yeah. where it seems impossible. Like it yeah. seems icky. Yeah. To do I, I one of the quotes that I have on my microwave this this like lately is you've already accomplished things that you said were going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. Because that's the, the, when I heard this the first time I was like oh no I don't I did not accomplish anything that I thought I was going to make me happy and I talked here about like, oh, well, only if I move to Egypt, only if I lose uh, weight, only if I go to the U.S., well, only if I do comedy. And well, yeah, where? And you're, you're here. You've done it. All the things you just said. Yeah. And it, I think that's the thing is that we, we forget that we literally are co-creating our experiences every day. And sometimes that's where the gratitude comes in. It's like, yo. I did this. And then also look at it. It's like, I'm powerful. Look what I just created. So when you're wanting to create something else, sometimes it's good to just be like, well, I have a track record for creating the stuff that I really desire. So I'm going to get this. Mm. And it's like, hey, it feels like it, and it doesn't always have to feel like a grind. Maybe that's really what it is. It doesn't have to feel so painful. If you already know, that you've already created the things that you just said, the weight loss, the moving to the States, the doing a comedy, the podcast, you've already created that stuff. Why are you so, and not just you, I'm talking about people in general. Why are we so hard on ourselves about creating the next thing? It's like we go back into panic mode, like, oh God, I have to create the stuff again. It, we literally create so naturally without even thinking about it. And funny enough, that leads, like that's what feeds the imposter syndrome in general. Because you don't know, you in the back of your head, you kind of think that this all happened by luck. Yep. Or I just lucked into things. But so once you really luck into the thing that was your dream, you're mm-hmm. like, I don't know how I got here. Yeah. I'm not. A, and I've seen like people with various yes. levels of success we got to stop that. It it is and I'm I do that too. But no, absolutely not. Stop. But that's really important. It's to hear a lot of times people would hear someone like you like would they talk about overcoming something and they almost fail to uh realize that you're still not perfect. Like uh, you're still not you have not conquered that problem that still comes and goes. Yes. I mean, when I say <laughs> I coach myself on a daily mm. about things and I'm not, and I'm not opposed. And I, I talk to other people. I'm not opposed to if I, if I feel like, okay, I want to go and talk to somebody and get some therapy about a certain thing or whatever. To me, wise counsel is wise counsel. And sometimes it's good to have someone that sees you from afar because we can't always see ourselves up close because we're too close. And so this is me talking to you directly, if you don't mind. Of course. You are doing an incredible job. You really are. Thank you. You reached out to me to be on your podcast because you created a podcast in this beautiful studio we're in right now. You created this. It was a co-creative experience. You asked for it and you got it. 
there is nothing that you cannot get and you don't have to how was it hard to get me here i don't think it was that it might be a little hard because i ask questions okay <laughs> i do ask you had questions experience with getting because i'll be like oh uh, let me see is like, you uh, really you i need to Hold see on you now. on camera first. i did because <laughs> i yeah i have some shenanigans but outside of that i guess what i'm really trying to say is is that your your limbs work your heart is beating you are able to breathe with ease and grace it just happens and everything that you desire this even though it seemed like a grind maybe to get all the stuff together sometimes it's our perception of how we can get things to work for our good that is really the issue mm. for instance I am the one who thought my scars were the things was going to keep me and hold me back from having whatever the things that I desired. I thought that that was what it was, but no, it was my perception of my scars and how people would react to them. The belief you had. My belief about my scars. It was not anybody else's. The world did not say, I mean, even though the world as in like little kids, what's that? What's going on? Blah, 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 whatever. But it was literally my belief. And I will tell this a quick, quick, quick thing. The first time I showed my scars in public was I was at a barbecue and I, 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 it was for a church choir. Okay. We had a barbecue and a pool party. I had on a bathing suit, a two-piece bathing suit without a shirt for the first time, without a t-shirt over it. I thought everybody in there was going to be like, oh my God, what happened to you, girl? Oh my God. I really thought that in your direction and you saw their eye level look here. Like I, I I mean, I just thought it was going to be a ton of questions and pointing and looking and staring because that's what happened when I was in ballet class at three years old. But that's not what happened. People thought I walked in there and I looked confident. I was like, are you kidding me? So we have no idea how people perceive us. Mm -hmm. It is about how we perceive ourselves. I perceive you to be disciplined because you just talked about editing your podcast. Do you think, when I think about the con- the, po- the possibilities of having to edit a podcast, I'm like, oh, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, is that you, I encourage you to affirm yourself. Get in that mirror and speak life to yourself about whatever aspects of yourself that you don't think that you can do or can have I had to tell myself I was beautiful. I literally had to do that. People were like, oh, but you're pretty. Oh, you're blah, blah, blah. And it would go right over my head. Mm. So I literally did it two times a day, morning when I brush my teeth and at night when I brush my teeth. I am beautiful. I am beautiful. And I did that from October to December. I went to, to Detroit to visit a friend and hang out. And he was like, huh, somehow you're more beautiful. Wow. He had no idea I did that. It is your belief about yourself at the end of the day. 100%. Uh, the beautiful Audra Bryant. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. That's a, a perfect ending. And I think we're perfectly at the end of time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, my podcast does not have a signature ending. So we just end abruptly. Podcast ends. <laughs>